America is not down and out, no, not yet. Consumers picked up their spending from May to June, underscoring their resilience despite painfully higher prices at the gas pump, tell me about it, and in grocery aisles and allaying fears that the economy might be on the verge of a recession. U.S. retail sales rose 1% in June, from a revised decline of 0.1% in May, the Commerce Department said today. At the same time, last month's spending gain is modest enough that it likely won't encourage the Federal Reserve to raise interest rates even more aggressively. The stock market, well, stock market loves it. Up 589 points on the Dow, 590 now. I mean, that's pretty good. Uh, that's something amidst the flurry of uh, terrible and horrible news. There is this awful, awful story about a 10-year-old rape victim, a story that is now becoming like everything else in America. Rather than the nation uniting in compassion for the family and in horror at the crime, uh, everybody's trying to blame to play politics, and uh, we will get to that. We haven't talked about it before. I'm actually proud of the fact that we haven't talked about it before. We didn't jump the gun and say it was a fake story when it first came out, as a number of conservatives did. It was not a fake story. It's real. And we will come to terms with it. We'll also come to terms with the question of the Secret Service erasing crucial text messages and emails and other communications from January 5th and January 6th. Is that a coincidence or is it some kind of malevolent effort to hide the truth? And what is the future for the Republican Party? Well, F.H. Buckley says the future of the Republican Party is to take over American politics completely, to basically wipe out the Democrats. How? As a party of what he calls progressive conservatism. Is that a contradiction in terms? We will get to that with Frank Buckley of George Mason uh, University Law School coming up on The Medved Show. He's also a um, uh, supporter of President Trump who's had some second thoughts about, well, about a new term for President Trump. And there's new information about President Trump and his inner circle trying to decide when exactly he will announce his candidacy for 2024. The word is, it's not a question of if, it's a question of when. And Joe Biden in Israel, uh, stepping into all kinds of poop fields uh, with uh, comments comparing Palestinians to his Irish ancestors. Uh, does that make a lot of sense? We will get to that aspect of the presidential tour and uh, and much more. Plus, talking to Steve Meyer about the Webb telescope and the images of stars in formation uh, 13 billion years ago. Now, really, how is that even imaginable? And what does that say about how science has stopped being identified always with atheism when it's opening up new frontiers of knowledge and understanding. And uh, we'll also speak to the courageous professor at the University of Washington, Stuart Regis, who has um, 
decided to sue the university because they insisted that he use their uh, acknowledgement statement about the university's land belonging to Indian tribes, not the one that he chose to write. Is it a question of First Amendment, free expression, academic freedom, or simply common decency? 1-800-955-1776 is our phone number. Uh, first, the uh, President of the United States has uh, been touring the Middle East. He uh, was in uh, the Palestinian uh, Authority yesterday. He met with officials there. And uh, he also had a very successful visit with Israeli leaders. He was presented by Isaac Herzog, the uh, uh, president of Israel, not the prime minister. The prime minister, acting prime minister right now is Yair Lapid. In any event, President Herzog presented President Biden with a presidential medal, which is sort of the equivalent of the uh, American Medal of Freedom. It's a high civilian honor. And it was on behalf of the fact that uh, Biden has been a big supporter and friend of Israel over the years. He, uh, this is his 10th trip to uh, Israel, which uh, uh, means that he's gotten to know the place, gotten to know the uh, participants. He had meetings, private meetings with Benjamin Netanyahu. But at a joint press conference, there was a, um, uh, a little bit of an awkwardness with uh, Prime Minister Lapid directly contradicting President Biden concerning the threat to Iran. Listen, this is clip nine. We made it absolutely clear. We will not, let me say it again, we will not allow Iran to acquire a nuclear weapon. I continue to believe that diplomacy is the best way to achieve this outcome. Words will not stop them, Mr. President. Diplomacy will not stop them. The only way to stop them is to put a credible military threat on the table. And uh, President Biden actually did that later. He was asked very directly whether he would consider military action if that was the last resort. And uh, he said yes, and uh, which is encouraging. Uh, then, much less encouraging, uh, first of all, President Biden visiting the Palestinian Authority uh, was, uh, was very genial, friendly, and, uh, and when that happens, watch out, because he goes off script. He uh, compared in East Jerusalem, visiting with Palestinian uh, President Mahmoud Abbas, Abu Mazen, and uh, other officials of the Palestinian Authority, uh, President Biden compared Palestinian identity with being Irish-American. Uh-huh. And uh, here's the President of the United States, clip 10. I, uh, my background and the background of my family is Irish-American. And uh, we uh, have a... Uh, a long history of uh, not fundamentally unlike the Palestinian people with uh, Great Britain and their attitude toward Irish Catholics over the years for 400 years. Uh, again, comparing the Palestinian 
people to the Irish people. Irish people lost one-third of their population in the 1800s because of what's called the Great Hunger or the Potato Famine. And uh, one-third either died or immigrated. They left the country. Now, the Palestinian population is the highest it's ever been. This is why the whole claims of uh, Palestinian genocide are so ridiculous. Uh, and by the way, and the Palestinian people haven't lived in that part of the world for 400 years. If you can look at the population figures that were are pretty well kept by the Ottoman Empire and then by the British, the immigration of Syrian people and Egyptian people into what it was at the time, the province of Palestine and the, the Ottoman Empire, that all occurred not 400 years ago. It occurred about 100 years ago. And uh, we will get to that and why and more about uh, foreign policy, American safety, and the future of Republican dominance. That and much more on The Medved Show. Now's the time to join the millions of Americans who have changed the quality of their... show talking about the Irish and the Palestinians and their kinship uh, which is non-existent the uh, Ed Morrissey who's a, um, a a good Irish boyo uh, and somebody whose commentary I enjoy very much he's over at hot air he uh, he talked about Joe Biden's comparing the Palestinian experience to the Irish experience and uh, quote the background of my family is Irish American he said and we have a long history not fundamentally unlike the Palestinian people with Great Britain and their attitude toward Irish Catholics over the uh, years for 400 years and Marcy says say what let's put aside the fact that this situation for the Palestinians resulted from two attempts by Arab nations to annihilate Israel in 1948 and 1967. He's exactly right, which makes this not in the least akin to the 800 years of Anglo-Norman domination of Ireland. And uh, he, he's, of, of course, entirely correct. The other thing about the domination of Ireland was it was predominantly religious and there were um, attempts basically and an assumption that the uh, British people deserved control because after the Reformation uh, they were they were represented a different religious faith tradition uh, the idea of the government of Britain having uh, I Irish leadership in the government Irish Catholic leadership was inconceivable and that's of course the reality in Israel right now there will be a new election there's a new election coming up November 1st but they have not only 12 out of 120 members of the Knesset the parliament are Arabs and Arab Muslims 
but uh, there is also an Arab Islamic party that is in the government and is willing to participate in uh, a, a new government when that is selected, though they won't be invited to do that if Netanyahu is the winner. But uh, Joe Biden was also welcomed uh, with the Star-Spangled Banner when he visited the with the people in this uh, Palestinian Authority, and it's worth seeing, and it's it's certainly a, a positive thing that they gave the United States the honor of playing our national anthem, and nobody took a knee. It sounded like this, clip eight. their best. Look, uh, the United States is coming with gifts uh, of $100 million of U.S. money to help fund a Palestinian hospital system in East Jerusalem. And um, President Biden is trying to do what he can to promote the idea of a two-state solution. And that will be on the ballot that will be one of the issues on the ballot when they have the Israeli elections on November 1st and uh, the idea that Biden would have some impact on that is is probably dubious because uh, basically he is uh, he's not popular in the United States of America but he's not particularly popular in Israel either. I, I do think people appreciate, hence the Presidential Medal. By the way, the President also went to the Maccabiah Games. You might say, what's that? This is the Jewish Olympics. Uh, there are Olympic athletes from all around the world. I have friends who actually were uh, competitors in Maccabiah Games. And no, it's not quite up to Olympic standards, but there's a, a lot less preening that goes on, and, and people uh, d do enjoy the pageantry and uh, the, uh, the, the idea of fellowship of Jewish people who come from around the world. It was always a chance, even in, in those days when Russia, the old Soviet Union, was extremely oppressive to Jewish people, they would be allowed some of the athletes and competitors to come to the Maccabiah Games and meet other people. President Biden was there, and that went well. He also... Uh, <laughs> did a, a very nice job of signing the guest book uh, that when he met with Israel's president. Israel's president is Chaim Herzog, who was born in Belfast, Ireland. 
and he grew up in Dublin, uh, where he became Ireland's bantamweight boxing champion. Yeah, really. Mr. Herzog's grandfather, who was a chief rabbi of Israel, whose name was uh, Yitzhak uh, Halevi um, Herzog, was also rabbi of Dublin after the Irish Declaration of Independence, before the Israeli Declaration of Independence. So uh, Mr. Biden inscribed the, the guest book at the presidential residence saying, from our shared Irish roots to our shared love of Israel, we are united in heart and spirit. And then uh, President uh, Herzog assigned for his part, may our friendship endure and continue to grow. That is the Irish of it, as my grandfather Finnegan would say, God bless you, Joe. Okay, so he's now in Saudi Arabia and it's a whole different story. Uh, Biden was sitting across from uh, the Saudi pre uh, priest, uh, prince, uh, MBS, Mohammed bin Salman, and reporters are yelling out questions about journalist Jamal Khashoggi, who Prince uh, uh, Mohammed bin Salman killed. He not personally, but he ordered to have him killed. It was an embarrassing moment, sounded like this, clip 11. Jamal Khashoggi, will you apologize to his family, sir? Um, again, U.S. press um, asking relevant questions, but not always with the greatest sensitivity to how important it is for the U.S. economy, for gas prices, for any kind of potential further progress on peace in the Middle East. Remember, this was one of President Trump's greatest successes, was advancing the cause of peace. So will Republicans have a chance for future achievements? Uh, that's the uh, question faced by Frank Buckley in his book. It's called Progressive Conservatism. He'll tell us what he means coming up on The Medved Show. Medved show. Uh, there have been a number of reports, one of them involving a direct interview with President Trump. Uh, that was by Olivia Nussi uh, over at New York Magazine. We talked about that a little bit yesterday, where President Trump told her that it is not a question of if he runs again, it's when he announces that he will run again. And uh, there are lots of folks in the Republican Party who are very concerned about that and the impact about that for the, uh, the election coming up. Um, would you feel more excitement about uh, actually coming out and voting, voting, for instance, for Tiffany Smiley, who uh, has a, a real chance? It's an uphill battle. And the most recent polling was not terribly encouraging for her, but she brings up the point that last time that Patty Murray, who is going for her seventh term in uh, the U.S. Senate as the senator from Washington, last time Patty Murray was on the ballot, 
she only won by five points. It was a little bit more than five points, which is a close race, which means that with uh, raising the right amount of money, and Tiffany Smiley's been doing very well with that, you, you have a real shot. Uh, so would it actually make you more likely for you to turn out for a candidate like Tiffany Smiley or a candidate like Reagan Dunn, who I strongly support. Uh, Reagan Dunn is a member of the King County Council and uh, the most conservative, level-headed uh, leader of that council, particularly on the issue of homelessness. He's been particularly good. But uh, Reagan Dunn, as a candidate who's running even, according to oddsmakers, with Kim Schreier, the very liberal incumbent congressman who has been spending a lot of money, and you see her ads all over the place. So the question is, if uh, President Trump announces for president before people like Reagan Dunn is up for his very credible bid to to take a congressional seat away from the Democrats. All of this is has to do with retiring Nancy Pelosi. And after 82 years of hard work, yeah, she's 82 years old, uh, is it time for her to retire? And will Trump announcing that he's a candidate for president make it more likely or less likely that some of those suburban women in particular, who lost the election for him in 2020, will come out and vote for Republicans this time. And uh, the former president is now eyeing a September announcement, according to the Washington Post, uh, according to two Trump advisors who, like some others interviewed for this article, spoke on the condition of anonymity to describe the private conversations. One confidant put the odds at 70-30 he announces before the midterms, and others said he may still decide to announce sooner than September. Well, sooner than September pretty much means, well, this month or August. <laughs> At least that's what my calendar says. So it's very soon. Uh, Trump has begun talking with advisors about who should run a campaign. I guess they're not going to go back to Paul Manafort. And his team has instructed others to have an online apparatus ready for a campaign should he announce soon uh, two people with inside knowledge uh, of the matter said. Lindsey Graham said the following, if Trump is going to run, the sooner he gets in and talks about winning the next election, the better. It will refocus his attention, less grievance, more about the future. In other words, it might be good for Trump, but what would it mean for other Republicans, in, particularly in states like Washington, where uh, no, uh, no Republican is likely to carry a presidential race here, but in terms of the senatorial race, there's a chance. In terms of races for Secretary of State, for the state legislature, to get Republicans more on a competitive foot of, footing again in the state of Washington or in states around the country, I, uh, I hope that President Trump at least puts off his announcement till after the midterms. And Lindsey Graham has embraced an argument once dismissed inside much of the party contending that Democrats are going to use Trump's unpopularity among uh, many voter groups 
to try to drive turnout no matter what he does. If he gets in the race soon, they argue, he will be better positioned to drive turnout on the Republican side in the midterms. You might as well get the benefit if you're going to take the lashes, too, said Tony Fabrizio, a Trump pollster working for multiple Senate candidates this cycle. If you want to energize the base and get the base out, no one does it better than Trump. Uh, others have argued that Trump's direct insertion into the midterm campaign will only play into Democratic plans to make the election a referendum on the extremism of Trump's Make America Great Again or MAGA movement. Republicans believe they are on track for a banner midterm year, a result of massive dissatisfaction with inflation, President Biden's job performance in the direction of the country, and all indications uh, are that we are heading in that direction. I mean, the general consensus is not that it will be a 50-vote sweep or a 50-vote gain for Republicans, but it probably would be above 20, which gives them more than enough to take control of the House of Representatives. The Senate is close, and it's dependent on a couple of primaries and whether we get more Republican candidates in the fall who are going to be tough to elect. I mean, I'm, yes, that means people like Eric Reitens, uh, Mehmet Oz, who is now running behind in Pennsylvania. That's long been a Republican seat, or for that matter, Herschel Walker, a powerful column by John McWhorter, fine black conservative, who writes about the fact that if Herschel Walker, uh, with some of his statements and some of his background and some of his misrepresentations, if, if he were not black, uh, this is the old double standard. He would not be so universally defended by Republicans. But he is black, and he is the candidate, the nominee, uh, in the state of Georgia for the U.S. Senate seat now held by, uh, by Raphael Warnock. Uh, public and internal party polls in several key states show the Trump, Trump rates behind even Biden, who has suffered a historic collapse in public support since taking office. Trump lost a recent hypothetical head-to-head -head poll against Biden in New Hampshire and trails Biden in uh, favorability in Wisconsin, both sites of marquee Senate contests this fall. Uh, a May presentation for donors to Herschel Walker's Senate campaign in Georgia, obtained by the Washington Post, showed Biden and Trump with similar favorability ratings in the low 40s, about a half dozen points below those of Walker and uh, his opponent, Raphael G. Warnock, Democrat in Georgia. In other words, voters kind of hate everybody. Uh, talking about some of the polling numbers, well, uh, we we will get to a, a summary of the most recent New York Times polls, where even the folks at CNN look at that and say those numbers can't be made to look pretty or uh, reassuring for Democrats. Uh, we will get to that in a shouting match uh, during a committee hearing between uh, two outspoken representatives of the Republican and the Democratic side, Karen Bass on the Democratic side and Congressman Matt Gates on the Republican side. And speaking of uh, Congressman Gates, well, uh, there's uh, new news about Lauren Boebert. Uh, what's the news? 
doesn't have to do with her congressional campaign or her work as a congressman. It has to deal with her restaurant, the Shooter's Grill. We'll get to that and more coming up on The Medved Show. Medved Show. Uh, let's go to uh, your calls uh, to uh, Nick in Tacoma. Nick, you're on the Medved Show. Hey, how you doing, Michael? Doing well. Good. Uh, I'm, I'm actually calling about something you were talking about earlier, which was Biden's comparison to uh, of, of Palestine to Ireland. And it's such an appropriate comparison. There's so many parallels. And I'm going to take this opportunity to promote one of my favorite authors, Leon Uris, who wrote Exodus, a great Jewish author talking about a fictional account of the birth of the Israeli state, who also wrote in his second best book, in my opinion, Trinity, which directly, or it is about the Irish problems. He saw the comparison and wrote four novels, which tied them together somewhat. And he saw the comparison. Well, and he was certainly not. I'm, I'm familiar with both Trinity and Exodus, and certainly he does not make the the comparison to the palestinian cause with the the irish cause the irish irish people are pretty close to indigenous to ireland they've been there for a very long time and that's why when i think ed morrissey was writing about it he talked about the struggle between irish people and anglo norman people because the British, by the time they invaded Ireland, they'd been invaded themselves by Angles and Saxons first. Uh, the, well, the, you can go back to the Roman times. But it's, it's, a, it's a combination. And, uh, okay, if you want to draw the analogies that you think tie together the Palestinians and their cause with the Irish and their cause, go ahead. Well, what I'll say is, his choice, and I agree with you, having read both books, there's no direct, they don't, he doesn't correspond no, them together, but his choice in writing about the other shows that his interest spans the two because of the comparisons. No, and his, interest, his interest is the comparison between Jews and Irish. And by the way, there, yeah. there were all sorts of um, uh, folks in the uh, 18th and 19th centuries who thought, they made the case that the Irish were the lost tribes of Israel, the ten tribes of Israel. The Irish-Jewish connection is a profound one. The, uh, one of the top uh, playing shows in Broadway history is a show called Abe's Irish Rose, which uh, 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 ran for five years, smash hit. And it's about a, uh, a, a Jewish and Irish intermarriage. So the comparison of Jews to Irish, but tell me about the Palestinian comparison. Well, only in the sense that I know, and I understand why you wouldn't want the uh, the Israeli state to be compared to the British authoritarian takeover of Ireland for several hundred years, but if the only distinction is time from the comparison. I mean, over time, there's going to be, you know, 300 years from now, likely intermarriage of Palestinian and Israelis, and there will be that blending that we see now. And we could even see something like a two-state with Northern Ireland and um, 
the Irish Republic comparable yeah, to the Palestinian except, state? It, in the, except, except that the difference is that there's never, ever been any attempt on the part of uh, Irish people to deny the legitimacy of England's claim to England, right? It's never happened. Well, what England, they wanted is they wanted they wanted, they wanted England out of Ireland, and what uh, the the Palestinians. The whole reason there is a conflict there is because in the first partition plan in 1947. When a Palestinian state by the UN was offered by the UN with Jerusalem as an international city and an Israeli Jewish state and a Palestinian Arab state, it was accepted by the Israelis and turned down by the Palestinians. And the the idea of yes, there were there were extremists and and horrible people in the IRA who set off bombs in in London. And, and elsewhere, and against British targets, uh, killing innocent people, there is that comparison. But I'm not sure that's what President Biden had in mind, especially he would, wouldn't make happy our British allies who suffered, including members of the royal family who were killed by IRA uh, extremists. The, uh, the uncle, Lord Mountbatten, of uh, the late Prince Philip was murdered by the IRA, right? I don't want to speak in morality terms of either the Palestinian or the Irish Republic. I don't. I just see the comparison, and I think most people can see that there are comparisons between the two. The morality there, I'm, I think, Israel is Israel okay. as a state is doing what they must do. It's appropriate. Okay. I, can I let me let me that, ask you let me ask you one other question, and this is this is one of those things that I think is kind of easy. If I asked you, and you're a very informed guy. Who are some of the important people in Irish history? You'd say, uh, well, Parnell would be, uh, Ossian uh, was, was Irish going back uh, dozens and uh, literally centuries. And uh, of course, James Joyce and William Butler Yeats and people with contributions to world culture. Who are the most famous Palestinian leaders, artists, uh, writers? Can you name? Uh, well, cultural. Again, I don't want to make cultural comparisons. I'm just well, make a political comparison similar. because you can't name a single oh. Palestinian king. You can't name a single Palestinian prime minister. You can't name a single Palestinian sultan or vizier or anything of that nature, because it was never an independent ethnic or national identity. Never existed. And basically, the first claim and use the term Palestinian uh, was in 1967. Pardon me, 1965 was the first organization of the Palestinian Liberation Organization, the PLO. Uh, appreciate your call and <laughs> appreciate the dialogue. Let me go quickly to Jeff in Puyallup, Washington. Jeff, you're on the Michael Medved Show. Hey, Michael, with the whole abortion issue, I'm just curious. If a Native American woman wants to have an abortion and she has it on the reservation, do state laws apply? And then also if a non-Native woman wants to have an abortion, she goes to the reservation and has an abortion, do state laws apply? And also they're trying to pass laws that possibly, you know, could restrict you know, freedom of travel for pregnant women. You know, can you imagine somebody asking a pregnant woman that's going to California, why are you going to California? Are you having an abortion? 
You know, uh, look, it, I, I think it, it, I think please. it's a terrible, terrible mistake. And frankly, the Democrats have leaped on it, and I think very cleverly, because Senator uh, Cortez Mastio in Nevada, who is one of the most endangered senators in terms of her seat, she's endorsed a freedom to travel bill, which would actually uh, establish that, yes, you have a right to, to, to go to another state for any medical treatment including abortion. And I do think they would have a very tough time sustaining before any Supreme Court the idea that, no, you're not allowed to travel as that poor 10-year-old did from uh, Ohio to Indiana. You're not allowed to do that. The, the problem with what they're trying to do is to uh, threaten doctors. In other words, no doctor wants to perform a procedure uh, when it's uh, of dubious legality, when you're not sure that it's legal, right? And in terms of the Indian reservations, the Bureau, Indian uh, Bureau of uh, uh, Indian Affairs and the uh, Indian Health Service, which we spend a great deal of money on federally, the Indian Health Service, I think, is controlled largely by the federal government, and uh, I cannot imagine any situation in which they will try to extend a, a federal ban on uh, abortion through the Bureau Indian Health Service. And what you're saying about people actually going to, to Indian reservations the same way they become a... Uh, a refuge to buy fireworks or fireworks are illegal or to uh, uh, to buy, um, well, various things that are sold on Indian reservations that are not uh, available next door. I, I can't imagine that that will, uh, would work in any state. Uh, I appreciate your call. Coming up on the Medved Show, we're going to be talking, speaking about Indian reservations, about those Indian performative land acknowledgments. There's a professor at the University of Washington who's filed a very courageous lawsuit, and actually he's already challenged uh, the University of Washington, UW. Uh, with uh, the way the syllabus is listed for his course. He has a very popular course. He's a top professor of political, of uh, computer science, who has been there teaching at UW for 18 years. And uh, now he is threatened with all kinds of dire consequences because he doesn't want to use the performative land acknowledgement that the university has scripted for him. So is this.